No, uh, everything doesn't happen for a reason. Whatever happens, whatever, hap whatever happens in my real life, honey, no, whatever happens in your reality, you've already created it within. But because we've, we've forgotten who we are when we were born and the fact that we chose to be born because we were desire, uh, we have to somehow make sense by saying, oh, it happened for a reason. And, uh, but we don't really know why or we can't really see how. So it's almost like we are the video game player but and we create this avatar in the video game and we've forgotten that we are also the ones playing the video game and uh identifying with the av avatar in the video game so th that is the issue that we have have these days and i guess uh, this is one thing that we are waking up to the fact that we are the creators of the video game we are the players and we have created the avatar, which is who we are here in this third dimension. There is always some guy somewhere out there lurking somewhere who has something to say, who's feel feeling some type of way. <laughs> uh, my advice to you is men, my advice to you is to, to, to go into therapy because you carry with you a lot of a lot of weight emotional suppressed emotional violence and resentment and revenge and hatred and judgment and prejudice so my advice to you is to work through it and, and digest it and take responsibility for it and to stop projecting it on women and expect women to save you and to go into therapy for you to resolve your problems stop making women the object of your problems poem I wrote yesterday in my deep dark well of despair and suicidality it goes like this the morning after I killed myself I could walk around a too thin paperless baby blue cloud levitating between spaces flowers and places Overly filled with all the people I cared about. The raw dawn cracks open with bleeding colours and lit-minded studded sounds. My mother catatonic, my father uncontrollably sobbing, under new astounded vows. The morning after I killed myself, 
reeks with shock and numb frowns. Powerlessness in the back garden instead of earthy coffee cups and bee boughs. He picks himself up in rotten rage. He noisily devours, learn how to never abandon his loved ones, be stowed. And the smell of prickly pines bathing in emerald green juniper breathes in bolder than ever. The air has never felt so sharply clever as I so often saw you impatiently stand on the street corner, launching a vent-out vendetta against your death-bone pain. And here we go again, another wet summer rain set up to upset you as I turn around, calling you back, unkilling you in unkindness. I can see through it as I sit in this too vivaciously vibrant violence of the shattered heart that what you ultimately needed was unconditional, unquestionable silence. come to Alan Watts and his curiosity. How come you declared yourself to be a Buddhist at the age of 15? This is, this is, well, because I found the religion I was being taught uh, was extremely oppressive. And uh, I really didn't like the image of God the Father that was being presented to me. It was authoritarian and bombastic. And the way the clergy, the kind of voices they used to read the scriptures and to say the prayers, I felt to be completely ridiculous. I happened to discover the writings of Lafcadio Hearn about Japan. And uh, I had always been interested because of the oriental art around home. And so I knew a lot about China and Japan. But when I discovered his writings and his descriptions of Buddhism, I was enthralled. I thought, my goodness. Uh, here is some tremendously intelligent way of looking at things. Instead of listening to people go on, Dearly beloved brethren, the scripture be with us in sundry places to acknowledge and confess their manifold sins and wickednesses. You know, all that stuff. So, <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, this is all of one piece, really. Because at the beginning we heard just a fragment of the onion chant and your preface in which you were saying how difficult it is to find the real person. In your autobiography, in this book, in my own way, that I'm delighted to see Pantheon, a very perceptive house, is publishing, <laughs> that uh, Chislehurst is the town you remember, and the people in it, you remember with a great deal of fondness, and they wanted to be connected with nature. This is interesting. You found, I noticed I, have, I made a note here, people in nature. You found them wanting to be connected with what was happening and growing around. But the religion they were practicing sort of disconnected them. Yes. I always felt that the religion they were practicing was disconnected with the natural universe in which we lived, as if um, no one would attribute a composition by Bach to uh, the Beatles or Shostakovich. Different styles. Mm -hmm. 
And I felt that the style of whoever it was that was being worshipped in church was completely different from uh, the style of whoever it was that had uh, caused the birds, the bees, and the flowers. Yeah. You are required to do that, which will be acceptable only if you do it voluntarily. Yeah. And that's a double bind. Yeah. It's like saying, you must love me. Mm. And so if I say to my wife, darling, do you really love me? And she says, well, I'm trying my best to do so. Mm. It's obviously... <laughs> perfectly well kind, kind of rounded uh, social type of eating including personal eating yeah of let's say even two meals a day with some snacks you don't go from that as straight to from now on I'm you know I'm not gonna have anything to eat anymore other than I'm just gonna drink juices all day it doesn't work like that so this is where you have to be taken somewhere where they'll they diagnose you and they um, they obviously uh, you go through uh, question you know questionnaires and uh, you know forms where they test to see uh, how you know if you have developed uh, an illness right so the, the thing about uh, eating disorders is that when they first hit you you're deceived you don't know that you uh, have this part within you, you're not aware of it, that's taken over you in order to cope. I explained this before, it's, it's a coping mechanism in very, very stressful situations when you're dealing with the loss of someone, loss of identity, you know, being unfulfilled, uh, you know, being abused, uh, feeling out of control. So um, 
that's why the development of it from getting you know going from a uh, perfectly healthy weight to critically underweight um you know happens uh, over the course of a of a long period of time uh and then one might say well what you know why are not people how come people don't become aware of it it's because you blame other things you blame other things like oh i uh you know i ha- i must have some sort of stomach issues i must have like a stomach stomach ulcer i need to get checked you know by the time you get checked for that you know it takes a while it takes a few weeks to a few months and then you know then you say oh i'm not i'm probably feeling sick because it's summertime and i'm stressed at work and the temperature outside is a little bit high and oh maybe i'm trying to cleanse myself oh maybe my body this is what i used to say oh my body's looking for a a healthier diet and it's just uh, my body's not really i used to say to people like my body's not re- my body's not really accepting you know processed foods at the moment yeah mhm yeah no no um this is something that i learned uh after uh, you know i <laughs> i had passed you know the the kind of the critical point where i was critically underweight when when i say critical i mean critical like you uh, i mean emaciated that's the word so um that is why it's an illness it's not skipping meals it's not following a diet it's an illness that takes over you and controls you and says okay from now on i will be the one driving the car and you are the passenger and that's it you need more imagination than money i know innumerable people who've got lots and lots of money and who are absolutely miserable because they have no imagination and they are full of fears because of their wealth they always think someone's going to take it away and uh instead of now will i starve will i get sick because there's no protection against that who knows when anything strikes when any accident strikes we have no real defense against that uh it's pretty, it seems to me obvious that uh a social community must have a religion and above all a religion about which we all agree there's no point in having a religion about which we don't agree to belong to a religion today is uh to my mind not intellectually respectable because all you do when you join a church you become a divisive force you want to believe in a god you want to believe in a life beyond death why why really do you want to believe this the reason is you want to protect yourself and so long as you're trying to protect yourself you have put up a shell between you and everything that you define as not being you And for this reason then all your beliefs are simply sources of strife and disharmony. A religion which believes in something won't work. 
because the moment you put out a belief, people start to argue. The moment you lay down a law, people start to argue. Should it be this way? Should it be that way? And then there's this group that says, uh, we think it should be this, that you should eat meat. And the other group says, no, you shouldn't eat meat. And so they start yammering at each other. The only possibly harmonious religion for mankind could be one which has in it no ideology. It would have no doctrines. So there would be nothing to argue about. Instead of uh, theorizing about what is the nature of the universe, to point directly and say, if you want to understand, see into it directly. In other words, here I am talking. Anyway, look into the nature of life without thinking and see for yourself that when you don't think, you don't make any division between yourself and the rest of the world.